0: This is Part 9 of the book Anthroposophical Guidelines by Rudolf Steiner, also translated as Anthroposophical Leading Thoughts. This is the subsection (coughs) entitled Continuation of the Second Contemplation, Hindrance and Furtherance of the Michael Forces at the Dawn of the Consciousness Soul Age. In all of Europe the incorporation of the consciousness soul, also had the effect of disturbing religious faith and the experience of ritual. At the turn of the 11th and 12th centuries, one sees the advance notices of this disturbance in the appearance of the, quote, proofs of God, close quote, especially by Anselm of Canterbury, close parenthesis. The existence of God was to be proven through reason, Such a desire could only appear when the old way to experience God with the soul's forces was disappearing. For what one experiences in that way cannot be proven logically. The previous way was for the soul to perceive the intelligent beings up to the Godhead. The new way became to form thoughts intellectually about the, quote, primal ground, close quote, of the universe. The first way was supported by the forces of Michael in the spiritual regions at the periphery of the earth, which equipped the soul with capacities beyond the forces of sense thinking to perceive the intelligent beings in the universe. For the second way, the soul's connection with the Michael forces first had to be accomplished. Extensive areas of human religious life, such as the central teaching of Holy Communion, began to falter. Through Wycliffe and in England, fifteenth century, to Huss in Bohemia. In Holy Communion, man could find his connection to the spirit world, which was opened to him by Christ, for he was able to unite his being with Christ in such a way that the fact of union through the senses was at the same time a spiritual one. The consciousness of the comprehension or sensitivity soul, also called the intellectual soul, was able to understand this union, for this soul could still conceive of the spirit as well as of matter which were so close that the transition of the one, matter, into the other, spirit, was conceivable. Such ideas should not be so intellectual that they require proof of God's existence. They must be ideas which still have something of imagination. Thereby the active spirit in matter is felt, and in the spirit the striving for matter. Behind ideas of this kind are Michael's cosmic forces. Just consider how much faltered for the human soul during that time, how much of what was related to its most inner and holiest experience. Personalities such as Huss, Wycliffe and others appeared, in whom the consciousness soul shone brightest whose soul constitutions strongly united them with the Michael forces, something which would happen to others centuries later. They asserted the consciousness soul's right to vibrantly grasp the religious mysteries. They felt intellectuality, which arose together with the consciousness soul, must be capable of including in its ideas what was achieved through imagination in older times. On the other hand, the human soul's old traditional attitude had lost all its inner strength in the widest circles. What is historically called abuses of the religious life, with which the great Reformation councils occupied themselves at the time of the beginning of consciousness soul's activity, is all related to the lives of those who did not yet feel the consciousness soul within them, but could no longer find something which could give them inner strength and certainty in the comprehension or sensitivity soul, also called the intellectual soul. One can truly say that such historical human experiences as came about in the councils of Constance and Basel illustrate the streaming down of intellectuality toward humanity from the spirit world above and below the earthly region with a no longer suitable comprehension or sensitivity soul, intellectual soul. In between the Michael forces oscillated, looking back at their previous connection to divine spirituality and downward at humanity. Which also had that connection, but which now had to move to a sphere in which Michael would have to help spiritually, although he was not yet able to inwardly unite with that sphere. In Michael's efforts, which are necessary in cosmic evolution, but which nevertheless are at first a disturbance of the equilibrium in the cosmos, is also the reason. Or what humanity experienced at that time in regard to the holiest truths. One looks deeply into the characteristics of that age by studying Cardinal Nicholas Cousanus, he references to him in my book titled Mysticism and Modern Thought. Close His personality is like a signpost of the times. He wanted to enforce viewpoints which would not combat the physical world's evils with fanatical tendencies, but with common sense, to get the train of thought back on track. His actions at the Council of Basel and in his church parish are evidence of this. Nicholas tended completely toward the evolutionary transition to the consciousness soul. And on the other hand, he revealed viewpoints which indicate the forces of Michael in shining armor. He included the good old ideas, those which lead human minds toward the development of capacities for the perception of intelligences in the cosmos, when Michael still directed the universal intellectuality. The quote, learned ignorance close quote, of which he spoke refers to what is beyond understanding through sense perception, that thinking beyond intellectuality, common knowledge, leads into a region where unknowingly the spiritual is grasped in living vision. Thus Nicholas is a person who, feeling the disturbance of cosmic equilibrium through Michael in his own soul, intuitively wanted to do everything possible to orient this disturbance toward the healing of humanity. Something else hid between these events. Individual personalities, who understood the meaning of the Michael forces in the universe, wished to prepare their own souls to be able to consciously gain access to the spiritual region bordering the earthly region, where Michael was working for the benefit of humanity. They sought justification for this spiritual undertaking by acting, in their professions and otherwise, in such a way that they would not be distinguishable from others. Thereby, that they carried out their earthly duties in such a loving way, they were able to freely devote their inner selves to the mentioned spiritual task. What they did in this respect were the things for which they came together in secret." from the standpoint of what happened physically, the world was at first apparently untouched by this spiritual striving. Nevertheless, it was necessary in order to connect souls to the Michael world. They were not secret societies in any negative sense, not seekers for what is hidden because it shuns the light of day. Rather were they associations of people who were convinced that their members were conscious of Michael's mission. Therefore they did not speak of their work in front of those who would only disturb their tasks due to lack of understanding. These tasks consisted at first of working in spiritual streams, which did not move in earthly life, but in the neighboring spirit world, which, however, sent its spiritual impulses into earthly life. It was a matter of the spiritual activity of people who stood in the physical world but cooperated with beings of the spirit world, with beings who did not incorporate into the physical world. They were called, not very accurately, Rosicrucians. True Rosicrucianism was completely in line with the Michael mission activity. It helped Michael prepare his spiritual work on earth for what he intended for a future age. We can judge what happened by taking the following into account. The difficulty, rather the impossibility for Michael to enter human souls was because he did not want to come in any way into contact with the contemporary physical world. He wanted to remain in the force complex that existed for spirits of his kind and for humans in the past. Any contact with what man must come into contact with in physical earthly life could only be considered by Michael to be a contamination of his being. In normal human life the soul's spiritual experiences work into his physical earthly life and the latter into the former. This reverse effect is evidenced namely in man's attitude and his orientation toward the earthly. Such intertwining effect is the rule, although not always, especially for people in public life. Therefore Michael's activities, in respect to many reformers, encountered strong obstacles. The Rosicrucians overcame these difficulties by keeping their normal lives, with their earthly duties, totally apart from their work with Michael. When he, with his impulses, encountered what a Rosicrucian had prepared for him in his soul, he found himself in no way exposed to the danger of earthly contact. Because what united the Rosicrucian with Michael was kept safely apart by the Rosicrucian's state of soul. This true Rosicrucian resolve forged the path to be found on earth for Michael's coming mission. From the Gertianum on December sixth, nineteen twenty-four. Further guidelines for the Anthroposophical Society at the Gertianum. (Parenthesis with reference to the preceding two contemplations about hindrance and furtherance of the Michael forces at the dawn of the consciousness soul age.) Close parenthesis guideline number 131 at the beginning of the consciousness soul age the emancipated intellectuality in man wanted to occupy itself with truths of religion and ritual human soul life experienced uncertainty a faltering thereby an attempt was made to prove logically what was previously experienced by the soul. The content of ritual, which must be grasped in imaginations, was to be grasped through logical conclusions, even be conducted according to them. Number 132. This is all related to the fact that Mikhail wanted under all circumstances to avoid any contact with the physical earth upon which man must walk, although he was to continue to accompany the cosmic intellectuality which he administered in the past in humanity. Thereby, through the Michael forces, a disturbance occurred in cosmic equilibrium which was necessary for the continuation of world evolution number 133 Michael's mission was made easier when certain personalities the true Rosicrucians organized their normal earthly lives in such a way that they in no way interfered with their inner soul lives they could therefore develop forces internally through which they could cooperate with Michael spiritually without him running the danger of being enmeshed in earthly events, which would have been out of the question for him. Subsection, third Contemplation Michael's Anxiety About Human Evolution Before the Time of His Earthly Activity During the development of the consciousness-soul age, the possibility of a connection between Michael and humanity in general, gradually ceased. Humanized intellectuality intervened. Imaginative ideas, which could show man the essential intelligence in the cosmos, faded away. The possibility for Michael to approach humanity only began during the last third of the nineteenth century. Previously, this could only happen on the path to true Rosicrucianism. Man looked at nature with his budding intellect. He saw there a physical and an etheric world in which he was absent. Through the great ideas of Copernicus and Galileo, he acquired an image of the external world, but lost his own image. He looked at himself and had no insight into what he is. In the depths of his being, the bearer of his intelligence, his eye awakened. Thus man contained a triplicity, a triplicity, firstly that which originally placed his soul spiritual being as a physical etheric entity in the ancient Saturn and Sun times, and thereafter again and again in the domain of divine spirituality. That is where the human being and Michael could walk together. Secondly, man carried within him his later physical and etheric being, that which he became during the ancient moon and earth epochs, all that was the work and activity of divine spirituality, which, however, was no longer actively present. It would only become actively present when Christ passed through the mystery of Golgotha. Christ can be found in what works spiritually in the physical and etheric bodies of man. Thirdly, man had within him that part of his soul's spiritual being which had taken on new being during the ancient moon and the earth epochs. In this being... Michael remained active, whereas in the part which tended toward the ancient moon and the earth, he became less active. Within the new being, he, Michael, preserved for man his man-god image. He was able to do this at the dawn of the consciousness-soul age. Then man's entire soul-spirit reality sank into the physical etheric in order to extract the consciousness soul from it. Man's consciousness rose up brilliantly in respect to what his physical and etheric bodies could tell him about the physical and etheric in nature. His vision diminished, however, concerning what his astral body and his eye could tell him about himself. A time came in which man felt that he could no longer have insight about himself. A search for knowledge of humanity began. What the present offered did not satisfy him, so he went back in time historically. Humanism arose in cultural development. People looked toward humanism not because they knew man, but because they had lost him. If Erasmus of Rotterdam and others had known man, they would have taken quite a different approach than through what humanism meant for them. Later in Faust, Goethe created a human figure who had completely lost the meaning of humanity. This search for the human being became more and more intense. The only choices were either to dampen one's sense of self, or to develop the desire for it as an element of the soul. Up into the nineteenth century, the best people in European culture developed ideas —historical, natural-scientific, philosophical, mystical—which indicated efforts to discover the human within a worldview that had become intellectual. Renaissance, spiritual rebirth, humanism hastened, even stampeded in striving for spirituality in a direction in which it was not to be found, and only impotence, illusion, and stupefaction were found in the direction in which it must be sought. Along with this came the breakthrough of the Michael forces in man, in art, in knowledge, only, not yet in the renewing forces of the consciousness soul, which meant instability for spiritual life. Michael was directing all his strength backward in cosmic evolution to gain the power needed to hold the quote dragon, close quote, in equilibrium under his feet. It was just then, during Michael's striving for power, that the great Renaissance creations took place, but they were a renewal by Michael of the comprehension or sensitivity soul, or intellectual soul, elements, and not the result of new soul forces. <coughs> Michael was full of anxiety as to whether he would be able to do battle with the dragon for very long, when he saw the attempt to add an image of man similar to the one newly acquired in respect to the natural realm. Michael saw how nature was observed and how people wanted to form an image of man according to what they called natural law. He saw how it was thought that as animal characteristics became more perfect, the organ system more harmonious, man, quote, came into being." Close quote. But it was not man that came into being, in Michael's spiritual view, because what was thought about perfection and harmony was merely thought. Nobody could observe that it was real, because it had never happened anywhere. And thus people lived with thoughts about man in unreal images, in illusions they hunted for an image of man which they only thought to have found but in reality their field of vision was empty quote, "the spiritual sun's force illumines their souls christ acts but they cannot yet see it consciousness soul forces are active with love but not yet in souls" Close quote. Inspiration can hear something like this as Michael speaks with great anxiety. What if the strength of illusion in man could give the dragon so much power that it was not possible for him, Michael, to maintain the equilibrium? Other personalities tried with artistic inner strength to experience nature at one with man. Powerful were Goethe's words when he described Winckelmann's work in a great book, When man's healthy nature acts as a whole, when he feels himself as in a great, beautiful, majestic and worthy whole, when harmonious contentment provides him with pure free delight, then the universe, if it could feel itself as having reached its goal, would exult and marvel at its own becoming and essence." What Lessing celebrated with passionate spirituality, what ensouled the great worldview in Herder, resounded in Goethe's words. And all of Goethe's creativity is like a many-sided manifestation of these words. In his Aesthetic Letters Schiller described a perfect man who, as is reflected in these words, contains the universe and realizes it in social contact with others. But from where does this image of man originate? It blazes like the morning sun over the earth in springtime. But for humanity it originated in the Greek idea of man. It was cultivated with a strong inner Michael impulse but people could only realize this impulse by looking back into the past. Goethe felt an extremely strong conflict with the consciousness soul when he tried to experience man. He sought him in Spinoza's philosophy, but it was during his Italian journey when he looked into the Greek essence that he felt he could correctly sense him. He hurried away from the consciousness soul to which Spinoza aspired, and finally arrived at the fading comprehension or sensitivity soul, or intellectual soul. But he was able to inject into his comprehensive view of nature an unlimited amount of that latter soul into the consciousness soul. Michael earnestly observed this quest for man, but what he meant did enter into human spiritual development, the human being who once saw the essential intelligence when Michael still administered it from the cosmos. However, if it were not grasped with the spiritualized force of the consciousness soul, it would have to be extinguished and fall into the clutches of Lucifer's power. Michael's other great fear was that Lucifer could gain the upper hand if cosmic spirituality lost its equilibrium. Michael's preparation for his mission at the end of the nineteenth century was in danger of becoming a cosmic tragedy. On earth great satisfaction reigned because of what had been learned about nature. But in Michael's domain a sense of tragedy existed because of the barriers to the introduction of this contrary image. Previously, Michael's austere, spiritualized love lived in the sun's rays, in the shimmering dawn, and in the twinkling stars. Now this love took on a note of deep sorrow when he observed humanity. Michael's situation in the cosmos became a difficult and tragic one, but also one which required an urgent solution at the moment when his earthly mission was imminent. Intellectuality could only be applied by humans to the body and its senses. They therefore had no insight into what their senses didn't tell them, their field of sense-revelation was nature but only thought of as matter. On the one hand they no longer witnessed divine spirituality in natural forms but rather something spiritless which was nevertheless presumed to bring forth the spirit in which man lives. On the other hand they only wanted to accept from the spiritual world what was revealed in historical accounts spiritual observation of the past was just as scorned then as it is now. Only what pertained to the present, where Michael did not enter, still lived in human souls. People were glad to stand on solid ground. They believed this because they did not have to look for what they feared were fantastic assumptions about nature. But Michael was not happy. He had to fight against Lucifer and Aramon in his own domain. That resulted in great, tragic difficulty, because Lucifer could approach pre- people that much easier to the extent that Michael, who was also protecting the past, had to keep his distance from them. Thus a mighty battle for humanity took place in the spiritual world immediately bordering the earth between Michael and Lucifer and Ahriman. While on earth, man acted contrary to what was beneficial for the development of his soul. Of course, all this is applicable to European and American spiritual life. For Asia, one would have to speak differently. From the Gertianum, December 14, 1924 Further Guidelines Relating to the Previous Third Contemplation Guideline number 134 At the very beginning of the consciousness soul times, man felt that the previous imaginative image of the human being, his own essence, had been lost. Incapable of finding it in the consciousness soul, he sought it in natural science or history. He wanted the old image of man to arise in him once again. Number 135. He did not, however, arrive at a true feeling for the human being, but rather to illusions. But he did not realize this and saw in them something substantial. Number 136. Therefore, during the time... Previous to his earthly activity, Michael observed human evolution with sorrow and pain. For man scorned all spiritual contemplation, and therewith cut himself off from what bound him to Michael. Subsection: Christmas Contemplation, The Logos Mystery. The mystery of Golgotha streams into the contemplation of the Michael mystery because of the fact that Michael is the force which leads man to Christ in a wholesome way. But the Michael mission is one which repeats itself rhythmically in cosmic human evolution. It was repeatedly present in its beneficent effect on humanity before the mystery of Golgotha. It was related to all the revelations that the still supra-earthly Christ forces were doing for man's evolution. After the mystery of Golgotha, it became subservient to the development of earthly humanity through Christ. It entered into a variegated and progressive form in its repetitions, but just that, repetitions. In contrast, The mystery of Golgotha is an all-embracing cosmic event which occurred only once during the course of cosmic human evolution. As humanity advanced as far as the development of its comprehension or sensitivity soul, also called the intellectual soul, the ever-present potentially primeval danger of the separation of humanity from divine spirituality fully exerted itself. And in the same degree in which the human soul lost its experiencing of the divine spiritual beings, it became immersed in what is today called nature. Man no longer saw the essence of humanity in the divine spiritual cosmos. He saw the works of divine spirituality in the earthly domain. At first he did not see it in the abstract form in which it is seen today, as physical sense being and events which are condensed into the abstract ideas called natural law. He saw it as a divine spiritual nature. This divine spiritual nature billowed in everything he saw in the emerging and dying out of animals, in the growth and sprouting of the plant world in the flow of springs and rivers, and in the formation of wind and clouds. He considered all this to be the gestures, deeds and speech of the godly being, which is the foundation of nature. Just as the positions and movements of the stars were once seen by man to be the deeds and gestures of the universal divinity, whose words could be read in them, now the facts of nature were seen to be an expression of the earth goddess, for the active goddess in nature was considered to be feminine. Vestiges of this way of thinking as imaginative content of the comprehension or sensitivity soul or intellectual soul were active in the human soul well into the Middle Ages knowledgeable people spoke of the deeds of the goddess when they wanted to conceptualize natural events only with the gradual emergence of the consciousness soul did this living soul filled consideration of nature become incomprehensible and the way in which this was seen in the comprehension or sensitivity soul epoch or intellectual soul epoch is reminiscence of the is reminiscent of the Persephone myth, with the mystery that is at its foundation. Demeter's daughter Persephone is forced by the god of the underworld to follow him into his kingdom. It turns out that she must spend only half of the time in the underworld and the other half in the overworld. This myth expresses with great force how once in the remote past The evolution of the world was revealed through dreamlike clairvoyance. In primeval times, creative activity originated in the earth's surroundings. The earth itself was still in the process of becoming. It formed its being in cosmic evolution from the activities of its surroundings. The divine spiritual beings of the cosmos crafted its being. When the earth was sufficiently developed to be an independent cosmic body, divine spirituality came down to it from the cosmos and became earthly divinity. The dreamlike clairvoyance of humanity of that time knew and saw this fact. The Persephone myth is what remains of that knowledge. But what also remained was how humanity sought knowledge of nature until well into the Middle Ages. For one did not yet seek it by means of sense impressions, as was later the case, that is according to what appears on the earth's surface, but according to the forces that work up from the depths of the earth, and these, quote, forces of the depths, close quote, the, quote, forces of the underworld, close quote, were observed in conjunction with the effects of the stars and elements of the earth's surroundings. The plants grew there in a diversity of forms and revealed themselves in their many-colored variety. The sun, moon, and star forces worked in them together with the forces of the earth's depths. Minerals, which were penetrated by what did become earthly from cosmic being, provided the basis for this. Rocks sprang up from the underworld only through the heavenly forces which had become earthly The animal world had not absorbed the underworld forces. It arose only through the active cosmic forces in the earth's surroundings. It thanks the sun forces streaming down to the earth for its becoming, capacity for nourishment and movement. It reproduces under the influence of the moon forces streaming to the earth, It appears in many forms and species because the constellations act in the most varied way from the universe in shaping animal life. But the animals are only put down on the earth from the universe. With their dim consciousness they only participate in earthly matters. With their genesis, their growth, in fact with everything they are, which allows them to perceive and move, they are not earthly beings. This sublime concept of the Earth's evolution once lived in humanity. What intruded in the Middle Ages left only a vestige of this concept as recognizable. In order to achieve knowledge of all this, one must be able to view the remote past with visionary knowledge because even using the existent physical documentation only he can perceive what existed in human souls who can do so with spiritual vision. Humanity is not able to hold the earth at arm's length to the extent the animals do. In saying this one approaches the mystery of humanity as well as that of the animal world. These mysteries were reflected in the animal cults of ancient peoples, especially those of the Egyptians. They saw in the animals beings which are guests on the earth, in which one could visualize the beings and activities of the spiritual world that surrounds the earth, and in the connection of the human form with the animal form which was portrayed in pictures. They visualize the form of those elementary intermediate beings who, although in the evolutionary process of becoming human, did not enter the earth's domain in order not to become human. Such elementary intermediate beings do exist. The Egyptians were only showing what they saw when they created images of them. But such beings do not have the full self consciousness of humanity. In order to achieve that, the human being had to stride the earth so completely that he absorbed something of the earth essence into his own essence. He had to be exposed to the fact that in this earthly world, the divine spirituality to which he was bound was present but only in its effects. And just because only these effects, torn loose from their source, were present, the Luciferic and Aramonic beings gained access. Therefore it was necessary for man to make way for Lucifer's and Araman's forcibly interjected activities in a part of his evolution, the earthly part. This was possible without man being separated from what remained of his connection to divine spirituality as long as he had not yet advanced advanced to the development of his comprehension or sensitivity soul or intellectual soul. What occurred then was a corruption of his physical, etheric and astral bodies. An older science knew this as something vital for the human being. It knew that it was necessary in order that consciousness advance to self-consciousness in man. In the teaching carried out in the places founded by Alexander the Great, an Aristotelianism existed, which rightly understood contained an essential element of this corruption in its psychology. It was only later that such ideas no longer contained this element. In the time before the development of the comprehension or sensitivity soul or intellectual soul, the force of his divine spiritual origin was still so interwoven in man that these forces streaming to the earth from their cosmic home could hold the intervening luciferic and aramonic powers in check in equilibrium. From the human side it was sufficient help to maintain this equilibrium when in the cultic and mystery rituals the image was created of the divine spiritual being descending into Lucifer's and Araman's realm and then emerging victorious. One sees in the pictorial representations of the various people's rituals in the times previous to the mystery of Golgotha, what later became reality in the mystery of Golgotha. Once the comprehension or sensitivity soul or intellectual soul had developed, man could only be kept from being cut off from his divine spiritual essence through reality. The divinity had to enter as an earthly being Into the earthly organization of the comprehension or sensitivity soul or intellectual soul. This was accomplished when the divine spiritual Logos, Christ, bound his cosmic destiny with the earth for the benefit of humanity. Persephone immersed herself into the earth in order to free the plant world from having to form itself from what is merely earthly. This was the descent of a divine spiritual being into nature. Persephone also experiences a kind of resurrection, but annually in rhythmic sequence. This cosmos to earth event is in contrast to the descent of the Logos for the benefit of humanity. Persephone descended to order nature in its original orientation. Rhythm must underlie this, for the process of nature occurs rhythmically. The Logos descended into humanity. It happened once during human evolution. For this evolution is only one link in a gigantic cosmic rhythm in which humanity, before becoming humanity, was something quite different and after which will again be something quite different, whereas plant life as such repeats itself in short rhythms. Man needs to view the mystery of Golgotha in this light during the consciousness-soul age. For during the comprehension or sensitivity-soul age, or intellectual-soul age, the severance of humanity from divine spirituality would have been a danger had the mystery of Golgotha not occurred. In the consciousness-soul age, a complete darkening of the spiritual world in man's consciousness would have had to occur if the consciousness-soul did not sufficiently strengthen itself for man to be able to look back with insight at his divine spiritual origin. If he can, though, he finds the cosmic Logos as the being which can lead him back he pervades himself with the powerful image which reveals what happened on golgotha and the beginning of this understanding is the love filling is the love filled grasping of the cosmic consecration night christmas eve which is festively commemorated every year for the strengthening of the consciousness soul which initially receives intellectuality takes place when it allows warm love to enter into that coldest soul element. This warm love is most enhanced when it is applied to the child Jesus, who appears on earth on the cosmic consecration night. Therewith man lets the highest earthly spiritual event, which was at the same time a physical one, work on his soul. He has started on the path of taking Christ into Himself. Nature must be recognized as the foundation of man's being, which revealed itself as Persephone, or the being who was perceived when nature was spoken of during the Middle Ages as the divine spiritual origin and eternal force from which it, nature, was born and is continuously reborn. The human world must be recognized in a way that it reveals in Christ the eternal Logos, which works with man's originally bonded divine spiritual essence for the unfolding of his spirit being. To guide the human heart in love to this grand cosmic contiguity is the true meaning of this festive commemoration every year at the cosmic Christmas Eve. If such love lives in human hearts, then it permeates the cold light element of the consciousness soul with fiery warmth. If this were to happen without the permeation of fiery warmth, then man would never achieve thorough spiritual fulfillment. He would perish in the coldness of intellectual consciousness or he would have to exist in a spiritual life which doesn't advance to the consciousness soul. He would then stay behind in the unfolding of the comprehension or sensitivity soul or intellectual soul. But the essence of the consciousness soul is not cold. It only seems to be so at the beginning of its unfolding. For it can only reveal its light-filled content at first, and not yet the cosmic warmth from which it proceeds, or proceeds maybe. To feel and experience Christmas in this way can make the following real in the soul. How the glory of the divine spiritual beings' revelations are announced to man in the vastness of the stars through their images and how the liberation of humanity on earth from the powers that want to distance it from its origins is achieved. From the Gurtianum on Christmas 1924 Additional Guidelines Relating to the Foregoing Christmas Contemplation Number 137 Guideline The activity in human and world evolution, which occurs due to Michael forces, repeats itself rhythmically, although in varying and progressing forms, before and after the mystery of Golgotha. Number 138. The mystery of Golgotha is the greatest single event in human evolution. It has nothing to do with rhythmic repetition. For although human evolution is part of a vast cosmic rhythm, it is nevertheless only one element, albeit the most extensive element in this rhythm. Before humanity became an element of this rhythm, it was something substantially different. Afterward it will again be something different. Therefore, during human evolution, there are many Michael events, but only one Golgotha event. Number 139. In the rapid rhythmic repetitions of a year, the divine spiritual being who descended to the depths of the earth accomplishes the task of spiritually permeating the processes of nature. She personifies the ensouling of nature with the original and eternal forces which must remain active, just as the descended Christ represents the ensouling of humanity with the original and eternal Logos, who shall never cease his activities for the healing of humanity. That is the end of section nine. I will begin the next section with heavenly history, mythological history, earthly history, the mystery of Golgotha. That's the end of section nine.